Hi, and welcome to the Pro Grace Podcast, having new conversations about abortion. This is actually our first episode. I'm Angie Wesley, and I'm here with Denise Stein. Hi, everybody. And we lead an organization called Pro Grace. Um, but this podcast is really about our passion for having new conversations about the abortion issue. So we thought we'd start out by saying why we want to do this. Why are we crazy enough, Denise, to... Uh, I want to start to have new conversations about an issue that is really difficult to talk about. <laughs> right. What brought us to this point? I think that's uh, the question we often ask ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. And we say, if this doesn't work, we're just going to find another job. Right. I'm going to go work at a Starbucks or I don't know what you're going to do, Angie. <laughs> I know, but... <laughs> I'm really not suited for much. I'm just, I love podcasting and speaking. <laughs> that doesn't make a lot of money. Um, but yes, we've actually been on this journey for... I think it's 14 years for me wow. now. And 12 for me. Yeah. Wow. Yep. wow. And I'm we're, not even that old yet. I was going to say we're super young. <laughs> so it's amazing how young we started on this. But um, I, where do we start, Denise? Should well, we start I with think, the beginning of the journey? Yeah. I mean, I think we can start just by sharing that God brought us, for whatever reason, together uh, to work at a pregnancy organization in Chicago yep. for different reasons. Yeah. And that began our journey. It did. And so, yes, we're both followers of Christ. And a lot of this desire for this new conversation really is to ask, how would Jesus talk about this if he were here? Because we both had experience in Christian organizations. You actually went to a Christian college. Denise. I did. I, I went did. to Wheaton College, and I'm a social worker by profession. And my whole career has been in nonprofit, faith-based Christian ministry. Right. And I was led to this pregnancy organization in Chicago. Which was the first time you ever worked in this issue. First time <laughs> and really had no understanding of how, believe it or not, I just didn't, how Christians were engaging in the issue of abortion and unplanned pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. In my experience, I went to uh, Bradley University in Peoria, Illinois, and then I joined the staff of Campus Crusade for Christ is what we called it back then, now known as Crew. Spent my first nine years in ministry and then did some different uh, things in the business world, sales and and uh, some work in the training, corporate training world. And I, the same way, Denise, didn't, mm -hmm. I saw this organization, I, I wanted to go back and work for a Christian organization. The organization in Chicago needed a director of development. And when I read what they did, I was like, this is great. We're helping women and children. It's not political because by that time, I'm trying to think how old I was, 35 maybe, I was already passionate about um, how it wasn't working. Like I would, I, I wasn't passionate in the sense that I spent a lot of time thinking about it, but if I saw something on TV, mm -hmm. I would say, can we do any better than this? Yeah. You know, this stinks. And I knew that you didn't bring abortion up at a dinner mm -hmm. conversation. You just didn't do that. So I thought, well, this job will be a great way to, to be working in common ground. Well, when I started telling people what I did, yeah. they didn't think it was very common right. ground. I, I get started, a reaction. Yes, I started getting these reactions. And it was really uncomfortable for me because um, I just kept thinking, what did I say yeah. that yeah. offended them? Yeah. You know, what did I say that made them think I was one of these people holding a sign? Right. When you use Christian and abortion in the same sentence, why such a negative reaction? Right. Exactly. So I was feeling that tension. I remember I was um, just getting to know our staff and some of our practices and how we interacted with women. And I just remember feeling uncomfortable yeah. for a good six, maybe six to nine months. And then one day I was working at home and I came across a website called Feminist for Life. And at the time on the 
homepage, it said, are you for the Mm. woman and the child and never knew where you Hmm. fit? And it was that line, never knew where you fit, that just, I started crying, Mm. actually. I was like, this is what it is, is that when I'm talking to friends who are pro-choice, they think I don't care about the woman. And I, God had done a ton in my life to really grow me to to have feminist, certain feminist viewpoints and want to care about the rights of women. I had been discriminated against in some of my fields, really for being a mom more than being a woman. So he had done all this. And I was like, the last thing I am is anti-woman. At the same time, when I tried to talk about this differently with some pro-life friends, they thought I was not caring as much for the child. And it's like, no, I really am for For both both of them. And I don't know where I fit. Right, right. And then you became quickly uh, the president of that organization. And then you brought me in, yep. I think, a year later as the director of client services. Yes. And yes. and I was excited to take on that position because I thought, wow, here's an organization, a Christian faith-based organization that that is serving women and children facing unplanned pregnancy. And then I got in. Because you had worked with like single moms ministries. Yeah, I was, like, I worked cared about. Um, with women in transitional housing. I worked with a lot of different ethnic groups, uh, families in poverty. And I, I came in with a strong heart for women and children um, and was excited to be able to, to see how and help in, in terms of how we were ministering and serving them. And, and I was really taken back right. when well, I got there. So, if, and so this is funny. I was actually on maternity leave, which is oh, a whole nother story. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> For another podcast. After, yeah, after 10 years of not being able to have a second child, got pregnant right when I became the leader of this organization. And I had tried to make changes within the staff, but like I said, they really misunderstood my intentions. I started writing some theology yeah. just for people to understand, but I could not get the staff to really understand what we wanted them to do. And so I remember the COO at the time brought me back from maternity leave. Remember, I wasn't even working. To interview me, right, (laughs) right, right. She's like, this woman is amazing, (laughs) which you are. And I said said to you, I was asking you all these questions, and you were answering them brilliantly. And then I said to you, how are you at making change? (laughs) You had no idea. No. Because you don't even remember that. I don't remember even saying yes, but apparently I'm okay (laughs) with making change. Because I knew the level of change that was (laughs) needed. And, and I had no clue. <laughs> You're like, yeah. sure, no problem. <laughs> yeah. So we had four sites at the I time, can't remember, three maybe or four three. Yeah. sites at the time. And again, my responsibility was to oversee all of the client work, all of the programs, and how the staff were engaging with clients. And and right away, I think, uh, and again, I, I really believe this is God just sort of um, putting his heart on ours. Mm -hmm. And we Mm -hmm. both said, Oh, really? Is this, is this it? Is this God's full, is this our full expression of, Mm -hmm. of God's heart in engaging with women and children facing unplanned Mm -hmm. pregnancy? Because it seemed very much geared toward the baby and giving information and missing her, um, not really understanding. And again, with my social work Mm -hmm. background and counseling background, not really understanding everything that she was going through or valuing her as a person. She wasn't a means to an end, but sometimes it felt that way. Mm-hmm. And so it really bothered both of us. Yeah. And and we really asked two main questions, first and foremost. One is, what is she really going mm-hmm. through when she sees that pregnancy test, when she finds out that she's unexpectedly pregnant at 19 or 22 and she's alone or whatever? Mm-hmm. 
And then if Jesus were here sitting across from her, how would he engage with her? And would it mirror what we're doing? Right. And so your specialty in that was really shifting the program to more mirror. And my, where I went was starting to write this down because I could feel the tension. I could feel that, you know, trying to explain this to our staff or our board or our supporters Anytime we say anything out of the box on this issue, yeah. there's only two categories. Right. Or at the t- you know, there are only two categories at the time. So people would say, well, are you saying you're pro-choice if you're not towing the exact line that we've heard? And I was like, I'm trying to say yeah. God is for both. for both. So writing some of the theology, and we were really blessed to be in connection with Dr. Erwin Lutzer at yeah. the Moody Church and, and be able to go back and forth with him and say, we believe the God of the Bible. Yeah. You know, we believe, we, we take literally everything Jesus did. It's just that it doesn't feel like we're applying everything yeah. Jesus did in this issue. Right. Because we believe he's the God of all life. Exactly. Yes. And he values the woman and the child. Yeah. And, and why, had, why had that been missing? Yeah. So you did an amazing job of shifting the programs. And we saw right away when we started listening more yeah. to women yeah. and going to a counseling-based approach they opened up a lot more. Oh, and I forgot about the research. Yeah, so we had the research then probably, what, 2008, I guess, was the research, which was another huge blessing in our journey. Really felt like God provided that for us because the researchers told us that the level of distress that many women feel when they face, when they're single, they're not planning to be pregnant and they get pregnant, is similar to someone facing a very serious or even a terminal illness. Yeah, my life is over, kind of that emotional, psychological shutdown. I can't take in anything. Nobody will understand me. I'm all alone. And then on top of that, there's a lot of shame and judgment. Right, and that comes from the culture. So the women, it was interesting, they wouldn't even talk about the man. It yeah. was as if he hadn't even been there. Right. And they were all alone in yeah. this decision, in this situation. And bearing the brunt yeah. of the judgment from other people yeah. that was going to come at that from all these ways. And then they judged themselves. Yeah. And I remember one respondent used the word, um, how could I be so stupid? Yeah. And yeah. that has never left me. Yeah. That feeling of no woman should feel that way. Like right. that's, is, is that a narrative we're yeah. promoting in our culture? It, Cause it know? wasn't about what I did. It was about who I am. Right. I am a bad, shameful, broken person. Right. And it's irreparable. Right. And then we would ask them cause, cause we were like, you know, we have all these churches that want to help and they were supporting our organization. And we were like, well, would you go to any church for help? And they said, no, I'll be shamed. I'll be I mean, judged. There's nothing there for me. Yeah. I remember one specific direct quote was, why would I do that? Religion only makes you feel Mm, worse about yourself. And that broke our hearts. It broke our hearts as we engaged with women, as we changed our practices more to a counseling-based approach, and we started hearing their stories and really seeing them, understanding who they were, and then hearing that the Christian community was not a place Mm. that they felt safe, that they would want to go, that they felt like they could become a part of. Because I think as we were on this journey, God was really saying to us that his heart is not only for both the woman and the child, but he wanted to see both of them thrive during and after an unplanned pregnancy, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Mm -hmm. And we weren't setting up our services or our philosophy or vision or mission or whatever. So that could happen. 
Well, and yes, and there there was no place for them to. Th- there, there's no story out there yeah, right now, right? That oh, I'm unexpectedly pregnant. I'm in these, you know, it's not what I wanted. I'm in the middle of school or whatever. Oh, my child and I can thrive. That's just not a narrative no. that's out there right now. And that's I think where we saw the disconnect. Yeah, this is why yeah. I want to change the conversation because the truth is, if we believe God is who He says He is, mm-hmm. and we know the work He's done in our lives and all the times that He's, you know done complete turnarounds and things we didn't think would work out. You yeah. know, the Bible calls it beauty from ashes. Yeah. I've had so many times in my life where he's done that. Then we can believe that for this yeah. issue too, but we don't. It's like our, almost like our vision is so small. Yeah. Sadly, the narrative and, and even more sadly, the narrative often coming from the, the church as right. well is either you're going to abort this child and, and take the life of this child, or you're going to struggle as a single mom, and you're going to be kind of one of those yeah. marked for life. Yeah. And and as you say, that's not God's beauty from ashes. Right. That's not what he wants. That's not his heart. Well, and I think too, and we, you know, we're getting into this soon. We can go back to it. But the judgment coming from the church is not how Jesus interacted with people. So, <clears throat> excuse me, he didn't uh, stratify mistakes. He didn't say, you're worse than you, you know. I'm worse than you are, Denise, because I struggle with this certain thing. It, we're all the same. Yeah. Now, we, obviously, in our world, there are different things that cause more harm to people. Sure. I or mean, consequences or consequences, whatever. Yeah. yeah. But when you look from God's perspective, yeah. the church should be the place yeah. extending grace to everyone because right. we know what we're all like. Right. And that hasn't happened in this right. issue. And as we... And we can, again, go go back to how this happened. But I do want to say, as we started having conversations in the church, we realized that that's not anybody's nope. intent. Nobody's no, Nobody right. intended to send that message. Right. I mean, we know that the church is full of people with mm-hmm. great hearts and wanting to love. But somehow, and maybe because of the way the political thing has played right. out in our culture, that's what happened. Right. Well, and we're part of the church. Yeah. <laughs> so and we, we love the, the church. church. It's yeah. like me and you. And the way we learned this, the most striking way we learned this was after we changed our programs. Yeah. We said, well, we now have a counseling-based model. It's a professional model. The different health centers and uh, people in Chicago that interact with Mm. pregnant women should know about us. They should be able to refer to us. So the first one might have been even someone who called us. Mm. Remember from like a a health center called us and said, I keep getting women referred from you. Who are you? And this first doctor was very supportive. He was a medical director, very supportive of what we did. He said, He's a, he was a Catholic, and yeah. he said, I'm just going to tell you, I'm gonna, I have two questions for you. And he said, everybody's going to have these questions for you. Mm. This is the first person who was honest, <clears throat> excuse me, honest with us. And he said, do you tell a woman not to have mm. an abortion? Yeah. Do you try to coerce her choice? And do you proselytize her? Yeah, right. That old-fashioned word, proselytize. <laughs> That's what he used, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, he just to, to kind of back up what Angie and I did so that we could learn what our reputation was in the community and how those on the quote other side. The well, pro- I think he started us, didn't he? Maybe I'm thinking, I don't I'm even really, know, I know how we got. Time. I don't even know how we got started. But I think we, it was him saying that we were like, "Oh, let's yeah. go." Yeah. So we went out and 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 met with anybody who would meet with us, who yeah. was uh, pro-choice or or working with in the women child health industry, child child health, health, um, just to, to be able to say to them, uh, 
do you know our organization? What reputation do we have in the community, uh, you know, among those uh, in the in the pro-choice world? Um, when you hear the word Christian and abortion and unplanned pregnancy in the same sentence, what comes to mind? And boy, yeah. we got an earful, didn't we? Yeah, well, it wasn't just, you know, do you t- try to convince women not to have an abortion and do you proselytize him? there were people who thought what Christians did was unethical. So we had to sit and listen, like, what do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. Because anytime, you know, if if someone's going to accuse me for doing something too much like Jesus, then bring that on, you know. But Jesus is never unethical. So it was like, what do you mean by that? What do you think is unethical? And we heard some sad stories where, you know, some of it was true. Yeah. And some of it was... Yeah, we knew it was true. Or yeah. we were talking to other people across the nation and we knew that this stuff was happening. Yeah. And some things that, um, yeah, that we've thought were innocent or okay aren't, you yeah. know, like giving a woman all this information when she can't hear it or even information that is one-sided and maybe not approved by medical right. sources. We were, or you know, saying you're one thing on your website and then when a woman comes to you, there's sort of a bait and switch and she's receiving things that she didn't sign up for, yeah. but she's in this vulnerable place and she's your captive audience. And, yeah. and, and yeah. And, and so here's he, these people who aren't of our faith telling us these things and we were so like we this is wrong yeah and we apologize we said we are really really sorry and and we even had some people tell us they were screamed at by christians or hissed at or spit at or and so we had to say this is not who jesus is we are really sorry and you will not receive this from us we want to build a different kind of relationship and we i remember we had some pro-choice women in tears saying, you know what? We didn't have them in tears. I mean, they were in tears. That's true. We didn't make them cry, but they were in tears because they said, we've had such negative experiences with Christians and you're the only people that have ever come to have this kind of conversation with us. And they brought out some hurt and pain yeah. and, and we're crying. And we, we were really saddened by that. It was. And the further we went in this, it was interesting. The first 10 minutes we would talk to anybody was really kind of cold. Well, they didn't trust us. No, I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying we started to see this pattern. Um, And then when they would hear, these are our practices. This is how we interact with women. This is our heart. um, There was so much openness because we found that we actually agreed on a lot of things. We could disagree on certain things, but the majority of, Hey, we all want to help support women. So they don't feel like abortion is their only option. That's a very common ground conversation starter. Absolutely. And we learned that, that there are a lot of Mm well-meaning people out there who are trying on behalf of women and children to do really Mm -hmm. good work. Again, we don't agree on the abortion part of it, but as Angie said, we were we learned why they're involved in things right. and and their heart behind it. they became real people to yeah. us and let's back up when you say we don't agree on the abortion thing cuz i think you know this is good we don't have to talk about the politics right. of whether or not abortion should be legal yeah. and we found that by keeping that out of the conversation it could go a lot farther we could speak from a christian viewpoint and we did when we did which mm-hmm. we said you know, based on who we believe God is and how he creates life, we don't think abortion is ever his solution for a woman or for a child. Yeah. Um, 
that's a different thing than pro-choice people are used to hearing from Christians. Yeah, it's very different. It's not threatening. It's yeah. like, okay, you can believe with your faith this. Yeah. You know, we'd say at the same time, we don't think the best way, the most Christ-like way, or the most um, impactful way to interact with a woman is to tell her not to have an abortion. Exactly. Right. Because she's not listening from the research. She's, right. She can't hear. If any of us have ever been in this place where you go into emotional shutdown, if anyone tries to say something, we all know we can't process well, that. Well, we're not making our decision from that head place. It's a survival. It's a right. crisis. Again, they need to be seen and heard and met where they're at, just yeah. like Jesus would meet people. You see this all the time in the Gospels. He met people right where they were right. at right, and, and saw them for who they were and understood their story and from that point began to minister. And yeah. invite them. Invite them. If they wanted yeah. to have relationships. Right. So there's no coercion. Yeah in the gospels anywhere. Um, and so we could say that to them, yeah. like this yeah. is not about telling a woman or trying to persuade her. Yeah. It's about meeting her where she's at, meeting her needs so she can make the decision she wants to make. Cause what we were seeing is most women don't want right. to have an abortion. They feel like it's really their right. only option. And it's the beginning of inviting them into more of a hopeful story. Right. And that's kind of what led us to to the church as well. Right. Well, and that led us to the church. And then also the question about do you proselytize? You know, um, our organization had been doing more of talking to women about Jesus and did they want to know about Jesus when they came in. And then when we found out... Um, the research and what was happening and the way things were advertised, it was like, that isn't how a medical or not. We weren't even medical. That isn't how a counseling center should work. Yeah. So we definitely could say to them, we invite them in. It's a professional counseling model. We are Christians motivated by our faith. Yeah. And so then we started thinking about that, both being Christians motivated by our faith and the very practical needs that women have, where would be the best place that they could go to receive support, yeah. resources, acceptance yeah. instead of judgment. I mean, ideally it would be right. the a church. local church. And again, going back to you know our understanding of God's heart, that he wants women and children both to thrive long-term, mm -hmm. spiritually, physically, emotionally. Again, he set up the church community for that end, right. for that purpose. So for, uh, for like for me to be able for to thrive. any of us. For I would not be thriving right us. now if yeah. my church had not yeah. reached in when I was broken yeah. in that period where I left ministry. I was burned out. I never thought I'd do any ministry again. And I had a church where they just uh, prayed God's heart of love over me. They didn't ask anything of me yeah. and my husband. Yeah. Like we were just able to be. Yeah. Well, there was the church of X when you yeah. read it. It's like everybody was there for each other right. to meet each other's needs. Those who had in the moment gave to right. those who hadn't. And then I'm sure and then you several weeks around. later, it probably yes. switched. And, and there's a reason that God set up the church because he knew that in this broken world, we needed that kind we of community. We all need that kind or of community. none of us were going to be able to thrive. No. No, I would not be thriving. And I yeah. think that's the passion for both of us. We'd experienced the church like yeah, that. absolutely. And then you hear what women are facing, and it's like, gosh. And they said they wouldn't go. Right. And it broke our hearts. Right, exactly. So we um, 
where are we back? Yeah, so we had these conversations. We were at that time one of the programs that Denise, and we had a great team actually that was doing this. Uh, we called them support groups yeah, or connection, connection groups. groups. Yeah. Um, because women often when they were pregnant would find their friends were doing different things. It was harder to find community. So Isolated from their family, yeah. isolated sometimes from the father of the child. So we wanted them to have a place to talk to each other. And in that group, um, their counselor became less important and their peers became more important. Yeah. And it was a really beautiful thing to watch as, as they were like, oh, oh, my friend's going back to college and she has a child. Maybe I could go back yeah. to college or too. Or they'd work and share childcare, start yeah. businesses together. Yeah, and they loved it. And so um, we were watching this and at the time, uh, it, but it had a life cycle because we're sure. a nonprofit organization. After a year, they stopped. So one of the young women in a group at our organization was from a local church mm-hmm. and she went to that church. It was a sizable church. Yeah. And she said to them, I'm 20 years old. I don't fit in the college group because I have an infant, um, and there's no single mom's group or anything here. There's at this no place for me. Large here. church, yeah, I don't fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was so strong and such a leader. And yeah. she said to them, "Could I start this group that I've been going to at the church?" And they said yes. They said yes. Yeah. And uh, pretty quickly, they invited friends. the The group doubled in size. There were about what fifteen, 15 women, women in this group in meeting. This church volunteers from the church were facilitating yeah. it, but they were really connecting with each other. Yeah. And they start. They were thriving in a in a completely different way than what we saw at our site because they were engaging with other parts of what was happening at the church yes. over time. Yes. If they wanted to, they and wanted that's the to. great thing yeah. about this is this is all women who wanted to. And some of them would say, I didn't feel safe at first walking in. They were brave enough to do it. But then when they were greeted yeah. with the, the program and the acceptance, yeah. they kept this, coming. I remember this church started uh, saying, Hey, why don't, since they're coming right from work or whatever, we're going to provide them with a meal. So, so they great. got a meal yeah. every time and they got childcare yeah. provided. And then some of them started walking past some of the other services and, and church events that were going on and, and started saying, Hey, maybe I'll check that out yeah. too. Bring my boyfriend and we'll yeah. check it out. Yeah. And it was just a really beautiful community. And it was really the church working the way yeah, the church, and then eventually and a few of them became baptized, became regular members yeah. of the church, and yeah. so then we were like, "All right, God, this is right. it. This is how you want women and children to thrive." Right. Yes, those that want to do this, this is a great community for yeah. them. And so our excitement over what was happening was so great that we thought, you know, I wonder. <laughs> I'm laughing now that we said, "I wonder." We did. We said, "I wonder if." pastors and leaders would need to go on the journey we've been on. And we found out over the years that we've been on a pretty unique journey yeah. and had talked to a lot of people. And so I think, again, that was just kind of a a leading. We were like, what if we put this journey that we just to- told you about on the mm-hmm. podcast into an experiential workshop and we let Christian leaders hear from women and read Jesus stories mm-hmm. and hear what the pro-choice community thinks about Christians mm-hmm. and experience some of the same stuff we did, would they come to have, you know, a similar passion and maybe viewpoint as we do on yeah, this? Like, yeah. could this help on their journey? Because yeah. what we found is that pastors care a lot about this. Le- Christian leaders do, but there's not a lot of talk about it in our churches anymore. Well, we're finding many pastors are afraid to talk about it because they, they're afraid they're going to alienate somebody. They just don't, there's not language that again is really expressing God's full heart for both the woman and the right. child. Either you have to be on one side or the other. And we're right. saying, no, you, you can't, that's not even possible. Right. 
So it's like the conversations weren't happening between the Christian community and the others in the community and the maternal child health and pro-choice conversations weren't even really happening in the church. And they definitely weren't happening with women reaching out for help. Actually, there's a statistic I'll share that really motivates us now. And it's a newer statistic. And that's that four out of 10 women who have abortions are church attenders at the time. But only 7% of them talk to anybody at their yeah. church about that decision. As, as they're making this decision. And we, uh, one of our pastors that, that we've been working with recently qu- quoted something that I thought was profound. And he said, bad decisions happen in isolation. Yeah. yeah. But good decisions can happen in community right. when you bring wise counsel around you. Well, and, and you they just feel supported. Yeah, you and they just feel like you can tell They somebody. didn't feel safe to go to wise community. Yeah, yeah, and so this was a Lifeway study that was done maybe a couple years ago now. And it that is confirmed what we started seeing 10 years ago. We were seeing it anecdotally. Yeah. So we were really pleased and surprised when we started piloting this in Chicago. Yeah. Senior pastors and their whole staff team yeah. would come to this. It, at the time, it was this two-hour yeah, yeah, workshop. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we even have a name for right, it exactly we're just experimenting we're, like, we're beta testing this yeah. with you and the response was so overwhelmingly positive we were even shocked <laughs> right because as we were writing it around my um kitchen table yeah we said this O-Car. is all we have this is it <laughs> and if it doesn't go anywhere then i really am going to starbucks yes so. yes right so um as that as that got piloted with the churches in chicago i think you and i denise could tell that that was really our passion. Obviously we love women and children and we want to see them thrive. We were just thinking, gosh, the way this could happen is if the church, if the church was the first place with its doors open when a woman faced an unplanned pregnancy and not, you know, more toward the last. Yeah. And I think again, it was God just put this on our heart and, and called us out to go and share this journey in this training and equipping format. And yeah, so that's what we've been it. doing. So that's so, how ProGrace came to be. In August of 2016, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. we launched and um, have been working. We're we're really working just in one city after that. And and I would say Christians have been so responsive to this. I don't know about you. I've never been discouraged about how many other Christians want to have new conversations. And how many times that we hear them say, finally, this is a way that we can talk about this that's not divisive and alienating, that our church can do this. We can learn how to welcome women in. We can learn to open up this conversation. It can be safe. I mean, it's been incredible. Yeah, it really has. And so, you know, I know there's a lot of negativity out there and, um, just in how we talk about things, news and social media. And I can fall into that. And you help me if I fall into that. And you can sometimes too. We because all can. we are normal, <laughs> broken people as but well. But I don't want to fall into that. I guess that's why I want to call this having new conversations. Yeah. It's like I don't want to fall into a default position of thinking. It's impossible to have conversations. Yeah. Let's just keep having the same battle over and yeah. over. I've seen too much. I've seen too many people who are passionate about this. Um, who sit on both sides of the political yeah, divide, yeah. Uh, who are of different faith convictions, yeah. to think that it, it can happen, I yeah. guess is what I'm saying. I think it can happen. Well, all things are possible with God, and he's right. calling us to a higher level of engagement, yeah. again, that more matches his heart and how Jesus engaged in yeah. the gospel. And Jesus never got trapped in that stuff. He's so good. When I read those, I'm glad we do the Jesus stories yeah. all the time in yeah. the workshop. I get convicted every time yeah. because I would have 
lashed out at one party or the other, probably yeah. the religious people. I do. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to admit, I get triggered yeah. by the religious people in those stories. And he's still, he's very truthful, you yeah. know, and he's very direct. He he's never, never shaming from though. the truth at all, but no. always again, in a way that's respectful and he, and loving to all and yeah. engaging to all yeah. and convicting to all because it's through his grace. Yeah where we're convicted and transformed right. only his grace. And so that's really as, as, you, as we have these conversations on the podcast, as you hear them, you know, Denise and I are both very thankful to be Americans and be able to vote oh, yeah. um, and be able to engage in our political system. At the same time, we don't think that's the only solution to this. And I think what really bothers us, or how about this? Well, we're pretty much, we think God's going to do it through his church. I'll say that. And we're not anti-political no. and we're going to have these conversations. It's just that Christians for so long, the way that we've been acting seems to communicate, we think politics is the answer yeah, yeah. when really it's God bringing right. his answer through his kingdom, through his church. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And our, our dream, our hope, I think we can say we're confident in this, that that's the only thing yes. that's going to turn the tide of abortion right. in our society and in the world is if the church opens its stores yep. and said, me, you know, you are no different than I am. Right. We are all broken at the foot of the cross. Right. You are welcome here. Yes. And while you have needs, we will provide. And then you will become a part of this yeah. community. And when you can provide, you do. And we're a yeah. community together. Exactly. And, and, Women facing abortion or unplanned pregnancy are no different right. than any of the rest of exactly. us. Exactly. And to that end, because that's our dream and because this journey we've been on, we don't use the words pro-life or pro-choice mm -hmm. to describe ourselves. Yeah. We don't use them in our training. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you're sitting there trying to figure out after 30 minutes. Yeah. What are you? <laughs> We're pro-grace. That's what we are. Yeah, exactly. We really, we believe God creates all life. And that um, we're not going to choose one over the other. We're going to value the woman and the child equally yes. because he does and ask him to give us creative solutions so we can do that. And so she can have hope and a new story. Right. Um, and thrive. Exactly. And, she, and her child can yeah. thrive as well. And we also believe you know, that, that the path to any of us changing is never judgment and shame. Mm -mm. It doesn't, you don't see it in the gospels. No. You don't see it in the Bible. We love the research of Brene Brown, yeah. which confirms this and backs it up. So it's always grace. Always grace. That, that knowing that I'm accepted for who I am, yeah. God loves me exactly like I am. That's what helps me change and make better decisions in my because life. Because we, we gain the new identity mm -hmm. of our, our love and life in Christ. And then we can go on that journey towards mm -hmm. transformation and more likeness in yeah. him. But we can't do it outside right. of him. It's just not possible. So that's what we believe about abortion. And by believing this and talking from this framework, we're hoping in this podcast to have conversations with people from a lot of different um, fields, a lot of different faith persuasions, pro-life yeah. and pro-choice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we just want to, what we want to do in the podcast is, is really model how to have these conversations. Yeah, right. We don't stop and edit. Yeah. <laughs> You get it all, <laughs> you get, you whether get it. you want it or not. <laughs> you know, and then we work out with each other. Yeah. Like, actually, that's not what I meant to yeah. say. Because I think we're so afraid to say the wrong thing. That I mean, that's been my experience. I was so afraid to say the wrong thing and stumbling over words. It took me making mistakes in conversations yeah. to yeah. learn how to have these. Right, so we right. want to be able to have these have on the them. podcast. And I think we're afraid we're going to slide 
morally or in our Christian conviction if we have conversations with people who may view things differently. And we won't, because Jesus didn't, right. but he still had conversations with everybody. And well, we can do that too. Yeah, because we can have empathy. And mm-hmm. I think we've, I think if there's more empathy, and again, I, I love Brene Brown with this as well, but more empathy, more of us talking individually face-to-face with people and stopping the stereotyping yeah. of groups. Um that's how we're going to heal our yeah. community. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is by understanding that when we sit down and talk to someone, chances are we do agree with them on, on quite a few things. Yeah. If we can lay down, you know, lay down some of the political tensions and, and say, let's just, yeah, let's just talk about what we agree. Let's mm-hmm. see if there's anything we actually yeah. agree on. And let's get to know each <laughs> yeah. other. Let's, you know, let's look in anybody's eyes, no matter who they are, right. what they believe, just like Jesus would look right. at them. And that's also the only way we're going to bring Christ's name and reputation back in yep. this space. And he's going to get the glory. Absolutely. Okay, so now I'm going to say something. I tried to get Denise to silence her phone. Can you hear that? <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I'm going to kill you. And I don't she know why very... people keep calling me. <laughs> she... All right, she's so popular, but she's technologically challenged. All right, all right, we're all broken, and we all have strengths and weaknesses in different areas. Okay. Last time I ignored it, and when it happened again, I was like, "Why does it keep ringing?" I don't know because I silenced it. I don't know what you've done to it. Anyway, but we said we wouldn't stop, so that's on the podcast twice now. Yeah, right. If you wondered what that beeping was, it's apparently my phone. We're sitting in a hotel room in Chicago doing this podcast. So, anyway, we hope to even build a relationship yeah. with any of you who are listening, who want to go on this journey. We yeah. hope that you'll be inspired to have new conversations. We'd like to get some stuff on the, on the website yeah. for comments. We don't have that yet, but, but we will. I will get right on that. To, we'd love to hear from you, but neither one of us are very techie. Yeah. So it may be a while, yeah. but thanks for listening in for this portion. Our first episode, Denise, do you have any last thoughts before we No last thoughts, but great <laughs> to be with whoever's listening. Yes. Thanks. Hopefully you'll tune in for other episodes and, uh, Go out there and have new conversations. Thanks.